Welcome to Sunflower Living, a podcast that believes that life is always worth living. I'm Abile. And I'm Linky. Welcome to our working philosophies on life and living with a mental illness. Before we get started, a note. We are not mental health professionals. All opinions expressed in this podcast are our own. Welcome back, everyone. Now, today, I think we have an episode that both myself and Linky have spoken about extensively, but have somehow only gotten around to doing now. And it's not really a divisive topic, but I would like to lead by saying that, you know, when it comes to talking about something as specific as shame, which is what we will be discussing today, I think uh, I would like to caveat that we are taking it from an experiential perspective as well as a perspective that speaks to the more, you know, psychological aspects and how, you know, something like shame and hanging onto it can affect your mental health. So do you want me to go first, Links? Go ahead. I think, you know, it's just... Just to echo what you're saying, that this is, again, our experience and mm-hmm. um, just a trigger warning for those who who might find this a difficult topic um, because we'll be sharing kind of difficult um, very vulnerably as well. So mm-hmm. I think just to start off with that, but also this is a heavy topic. I, I really know that I've been avoiding it. It's very heavy. And I think just talking about it for me, um, I feel like has taken a lot of courage. Yeah, no, totally. I think for me, when I think about shame, as much as I do kind of consider myself quite um, an open person, I would say that, you know, I pick and choose when it is I let people into certain aspects of my life. So when it comes to something like shame, which is something that is just, Obviously, it comes in different degrees, but there is just that aspect of I'm just not over certain things, you know, and I'm still I still feel quite shameful about certain things. And sometimes it's it's as if there's there's like almost a mental disconnect where it's like I shouldn't feel bad about this, but I do. Right. Because, you know, shame comes from the sort like you said earlier, I think, which I really, really loved is that it's the feeling that you are wrong, that you are not maybe even doing personhood correctly I don't know if you agree with that yeah well I mean that's kind of my definition Mm -hmm. and I know that there are others out there but my definition of shame is the feeling that you are wrong not Mm -hmm. that your behavior was wrong it's identifying um yourself as the bad wrong behavior versus looking at that as exactly what it is which is external to you exactly Whereas it, where it's sort of like it, it, the shame is attached to a behavior, not the whole of your person. I think it's difficult to like forget that because I love that there's like this, this frame. I think we're, we're, we're almost like socialized in a way that it's like the worst possible thing you can do is make a mistake or, you know, do something that is foolish or that comes across as foolish. Do you know what I'm saying? But it, it's almost as if you're not allowed to backtrack from that you know i agree and i think you know this is where i want us to separate shame from embarrassment Mm. because i think you can do something embarrassing like a almost like i read somewhere they said they called embarrassment as a result of a trivial social transgression Mm. and i kind of thought oh okay that's kind of interesting yeah because we do we feel embarrassed when we whatever 
yeah. trip or something in front of a crowd as we're walking across a stage or yes. fumble something, or um, we feel embarrassed if we act a certain way that we had not, um, that we had not intended. Yeah. And so I had to, I had to separate those out because I have embarrassing moments Mm -hmm. and because of my rumination, embarrassing moments that replay themselves over and over and over again. And I should have, you know, let that go. It's not such a big deal. Yeah. But at the same time, there is a lot of shame attached to certain um, behaviors or um, even to just having a mental illness. There's so much, shame attached to that and so just realizing that that's a different realm altogether yeah and that i have to be um i have to be self-aware to know when it's shame when it's embarrassment and when i should feel guilt and when i shouldn't when it's not on me Hmm. i mean definitely i can absolutely agree and i think you know, coming back to the initial trigger warning that we put at the beginning of the episode, like, you know, as someone who has had experience with drug abuse in an effort to kind of get away from, I think, just my life in a, in a, in a big way, I do possess some level of shame about that. I'm a lot better with it now, especially if I know that, you know, if speaking up can sort of almost help someone else. But there definitely is that aspect where as you said you know when it comes to having a mental illness or you know having certain struggles for myself like how I had to separate out that I didn't necessarily have a predisposition to addictive behavior but I continuously went back to the drugs in order to numb this you know almost uncertainty within myself and that was very shameful for a while not even uncertainty in myself rather but almost like these feelings and this experience and this almost like a dissociation with my reality that I I couldn't articulate at the time because I was a child and I don't think you know you like I said earlier like you're not socialized to really understand things like mental health and if you know, you feel this way, this is who you go to. If you feel that way, this is who you go to. But there is a certain shame that I carry with me because it seems as if, it's almost as if I'm defective as a person simply because I went through that, right? And it's just, that, that, that's not a fun thing to, con- to, con- um, to contend with because it's so specific to you, your experiences, as well as the perception that exists with people who, who do drugs. You know, you hit the nail on the head there where you said that you feel like you are defective. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's really where shame lives. That's, yeah. that's what it tries to, to convince you of. That's what it continu- you know, continues to feed on. And so as we go through life, we have to, we have to look at situations. Like I've been saying this a lot. I think Um, Mm. I've been in some clubhouse rooms and I've said this quite a lot. Take a step back before we speak, before we um, make judgments before. And I think that goes for ourselves as well. Before we make judgments on ourselves, we need to Mm. take a step back, look at the entire um, situation as it is, and then make an assessment. But I think quite often we jump to the societal perception. Mm. We jump to this, 
well, um, drug taking is associated this way. And so I will be branded in this way. And so then you've taken on that shame. Then you have imposed that on yourself when, like you say, you were going through something. You were numbing your pain and your trauma Mm -hmm. and with a maladaptive behavior. And so when we start to realize that, we start to then loosen the shackles of shame and say, oh, okay, I see what that was. Mm -hmm. And you're able to say, you're able to to detach yourself from the situation because from the behavior rather, Mm -hmm. because you're able to say, I behaved badly. Mm -hmm. I did things that were bad. I myself Mm -hmm. am not necessarily a bad person. I was making bad decisions Mm -hmm. and I have learned from that. And now I'm doing better. Obviously, when you repeat behaviors, when you know better and when you are more Mm self-aware, then we have a deeper issue to deal with. And I think, you know, that's a topic on its own. But right now, for me, and just listening to your story, I feel like that's, you know, thank you for sharing. Thank Mm -hmm. you for being so open and sharing that. But I do feel, I do feel like I understand where you're coming from. I, I fully get where you're coming from. I consider myself someone who indulged in, like you said, maladaptive behavior in order to cope with a certain aspect of myself, in which case were my mental illnesses that I couldn't understand at the time. And so specific to, you know, when it came to abusing alcohol or when it came to, you know, I wouldn't even say like when it came to, you know, doing other substances that were not good, A, for a developing brain. I think looking back, I understand that position and I can be grateful for the fact that I was able to get myself out of it. But also I was able to, and I really want people to to sit with this at home with themselves. I was able to sit with the perception and understand that I can also remove myself from it. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's absolutely possible to sort of say, yes, this is what someone will look at it as because obviously there's the like there are certain images that we have of you know of drug addicts and why certain people do certain things. But I think it's fair for you as a person. Like I've made the decision to say that I am not an addict. I might have behaved like one at some point, but I certainly wasn't. Uh, there is a line and you can draw that line for yourself, right? Because I think when it comes to something like shame, like you said, the difference between embarrassment and shame is that sort of shame is saying that there is something wrong with you. Whereas embarrassment is, ooh, I, there was a bit of a faux pas that I may have, you know, kind of embarrassed myself by like, you know, tripping as I went down the stairs or something. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important to separate those two because sometimes you can get caught up in the wrong thing by attaching the wrong action to the feeling. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. I think, you know, you talk about addiction and I think that's a topic all on its own, which we have to cover so that we can um, truly unpack some of what you've said and so that people understand like the perspective, because Mm -hmm. so I think that that's important for us to do at some point. Mm -hmm. But again, and and I I do want to stress this is that this, a lot of it is self blame Mm -hmm. as well. It's, it's blaming yourself either for things that happened to you or things that you did mm. that you should be able to forgive. Exactly. Exactly. I think exactly. that's a big piece. I mean, I, I, you know, I can maybe speak to when I first um, 
knew that I had depression. Mm -hmm. I knew that I was someone who struggled with depression and I remembered the label and I remember the shame attached to it mm -hmm. for a long period of time or the shame that I attached to it because I didn't want people to know. Mm -hmm. I didn't want people to know there was something wrong with me. I didn't want people to know that I was broken, that mm -hmm. there was something unfixable within me. And that was, that was painful to go through. And I, and I went through it alone because um, in the environment that I grew up in, again, mental illness, taboo, like mm -hmm. completely, no, there's no such thing. You're making it up. Nothing's happened to you for this to have happened, you know, for you to be going through this, um, get out of it, you know, think yourself positive, all the stuff that we talk about. And mm -hmm. so I hid it away from people, from everyone for a very long time. And I think there are things that people say that they don't know they're saying. There was somebody who once said, oh, you know, um, I know somebody who, you know, they didn't know about my experience, but they were talking offhandedly about maybe a comment someone had made about mental illness. And they were just like, oh, you know, people like that never make it. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I'm, like... this. I'm never going <laughs> to tell you because you've just said that everybody who's depressed is non-functional. And so they're losers. That's what I heard. And so I was just like, look, I'm never sharing this. I'm yes. never going to bring this up. And then I remember, um, unfortunately, it was a teacher uh -huh. who, because I had missed school at some point, and she was like, you know, um, stop making yourself stressed out. Oh, okay. That's great. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm making myself stressed out to the effect that I um, have been hospitalized. Yes. And so you feel like this is going to make it better. You feel like telling me again that I am making it up. I'm, I'm broken. I'm done something wrong. I am wrong. I yes. am totally me. My person is wrong. Just exacerbated it and made, and, and made the shame so much more um, palpable because I, I then had this every time I was, I was always afraid. I was always afraid that someone was going to find out mm. and, and they were going to shame me. And I was going to feel so bad about it because I did this thing that has made me sick mm -hmm. and I don't know what it is. And so I, I don't want to be branded that way. And I think, I mean, obviously there, there's a lot that I've just said, but I, the big part for me was that I, I couldn't, I couldn't remove the disease from me. I was depression. Yeah. And I've talked about this before. And now I'm able to say I struggle with depression. You know, I have a mental, you know, I struggle with a mental illness, but I am not that disease. That's, that's not the be all and end all of who I am. Exactly. You see, I love how you mentioned that, you know, there is often like, and I, I want to, again just emphasize this on my end as well your perception and someone else's perception those can be two different things and still somewhat be valid do you understand what i'm saying because i think something that makes me fume more than i 
sometimes have the will to really explain is that simply because you have not experienced something and or experienced something to a certain degree does not give you the right to then invalidate it on someone else's experience. Do you know what I mean? That's why I think we have to be mindful of what we're saying because we don't know who is listening, right? Like, like you said, it could be, you know, a little linky who is on, you know, at, at the, just the, the, the beginning of understanding that there is something mentally out of whack with me. Um, excuse my phrasing there. I think it's just so important to remember that, yes, your shame is your shame. However, other people don't have the right to pile onto that. Because I often find that, if anything, when someone is like, oh, well, people are so pressure, just losers, they too have something that deep down bothers them. And, you know, that's not to call anyone out, but it is to say that we're all responsible for our different levels of shame. But I think it doesn't help to then exacerbate the shame. Do you know what I'm saying? Definitely. And I think that's why so many people don't talk about it. That's why so many people don't share it. That's why so many people um, work so hard to hide it. Mm. I think there's so many people who live like this, don't mm-hmm. want to talk about it, who mm-hmm. don't want to admit it, who don't want to share anything about their mental illness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's scary because then so many people are suffering in silence. Exactly. And I think that's, that's sort of like the point or one of the impetus of us beginning this podcast was to say that we want to A, end the stigma and also say, you're allowed to not be ashamed. I mean, coming back to you know, my own experience with this, I found that, you know, when I was in the throes of a depressive episode or I just really was not in a good place, it was often necessary for me to push things to an extreme so that someone could see that something was wrong. Hmm. And so I find that, like, when I, when I look back at certain events or certain instances where you know, it led up to me being institutionalized or it led up to, you know, me being put on a hold uh, of any kind. It was because I felt the need to push it to its absolute extreme so that someone Mm. would be willing to help me. And that doesn't need to be the case. It absolutely doesn't. Obviously, I know better now and I know that I have the resources, my support system, et cetera, et cetera. But that's why shame in itself is so dangerous because then it becomes this internalized sense of there is something wrong with me and no one is allowed to know about it. No one's yes. allowed to know about it. And the more that we hide it, mm-hmm. the more ashamed we feel. Exactly. And it's just, it's so, it's a vicious cycle, right? It's like, well, I'm like, you might find that, let's say you're at work and you have a panic attack. That's happened to me before. And I was like, but I, I think the difference is I knew that within the work environment I was in, I was not going to um, be taken seriously and or being assisted in the way that I needed to be. So, you know, instances like that where it's not necessarily shame, but it is shame towards a reaction that you might get that almost like drives you further into the closet, if I can put it that way. We are just like, Correct. nope, just, uh uh-uh. No and and then we make, ex- we make excuses, mm-hmm. you know, you start to, you start to come up with, because again, and I mean, really in the mental health space, this is something that's really difficult to contend with is that 
people feel like, well, I can't see the depression. I can't see it on you. So it can't be real. So then we start to find real ways of showing people, well, I'm sick. I, my arm is sore or um, I have a stomach ache or, you mm-hmm. know, you, there, there comes a self-harm mm-hmm. that starts with that as well. And you know that that's fed by shame. And then again, it just, I don't know how else to say, like it starts to permeate your entire life, mm-hmm. whether it's in, you know, whether it's causing depression or making your depression worse, mm-hmm. whether it's causing anxiety or making your anxiety worse, um, whether it's causing self-harm, whether it's, it's fueling um, maladaptive behaviors, all of it is just it's, it's, it's unnecessary, mm-hmm. really, because if people could accept yeah. you as you are, mm-hmm. and if you can accept yourself and say, okay, okay, th- it's okay. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually going to be okay. And I think, you know, we started off, and when I gave that definition, I talked about how your behavior is wrong versus you being wrong. Mm-hmm. We're allowed to forgive ourselves for making mistakes. You really are. You know, if we were perfect, if everybody could say that they had had an entirely perfect life, they had never made a mistake. And I think for me, what I started to learn was I felt like all of my state, all of my mistakes were colossal. Mm. Like I was just like, look, this is, this is the worst of the worst of the worst. And it took me talking it out a little bit to Mm -hmm. be able to, to realize that. Yeah. Okay. It was bad. Yeah. Maybe even very bad. Yeah. But I don't have to carry that. You really don't. I'm not repeating. If I'm not repeating the behavior, I don't have to carry that. I I don't, that doesn't label me. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes it's so difficult, like kind of coming back to, you know, like I said, what we both said about, you know, pushing things to the absolute extreme. I mean, as someone who is still recovering from self-harm, I still have those moments where it's like, okay, I am feeling this absolutely un... I can't put the words to this like absolute pit of darkness that is inside me at the moment. But I do know that if I cut myself, I can then better cope with it, right? Then it, 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 there's almost like a real thing, a visible thing that I can see that says that A, I'm alive and B, you can get through... Like now people have something to look at, right? And I think yes. it's so damaging to you know, have this, this huge, I think, collective shame around mental illness, because then you find that, and I've said this to you personally, obviously in more colorful language, but it's, it's just so counterproductive where you, we've driven people so far down into, you know, their, their, their caves or, you know, their internal caves or their closets. And it's like, I cannot talk about this. Thus, I'm going to somehow convince myself that I have, I have fixed this issue. Mm. And it, it just doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Right. Because again, the leading narrative is, you know, that oh no, depression is simply an episode, but for us, and I think you can also speak to this quite highly, Linky, that it's every day. And if there's a shame, it's every day. It's every day. And if there's a shame around that, how are we supposed to live? I can go down that road. Ah! But I'm not. <laughs> We're not. We will do a part two specific to just the, the absolutely inane things that 
you know, we, we, we do to ourselves in order to not only avoid our illnesses or the things that ail us, but also the shame of it that is placed on us by others. By others. And by, by others. By mm-hmm. others. And then sometimes, you know, to a certain extent by ourselves, because then I find that shame will very, can very easily turn into blame. Do you know what I mean? Where you're like, oh no, this it is, is- it is self-blame. It mm-hmm. is. But I think it's just so damaging and so dangerous that there is almost this conditional basis by which we treat everyone. And yeah. it's like, it's just, it's, A, it's not necessary. And B, it does more harm than good. No, I was, was going to say, you know, when we talk about that, that self-blame um, and the way that we then start to define ourselves, I think it really affects our self-esteem. Mm. And we stop showing up in life. We stop participating in life Mm. i think that's a big big contributor of um of shame and and that's why it is so dangerous and so you know almost not freeing but necessary for all of us regardless of you know whatever it is you might be dealing with in your life to have those support systems that say that it does not matter like coming back to what i said you know in a different episode about if I'm on fire, will you let me into your house? Right. It, it comes down to that to say, you know, despite the ugly this person presents, despite how heavy or how intense, you know, this one thing that they're feeling so shameful about might be, it's so important to know that there's a place where they can all flap that and be like, oh, actually, now that I've said that all out loud, it's actually not that bad. I can actually deal with this, but not carry it with me everywhere. Like, you know, a sentimental handbag of sorts. That's just, you know, it doesn't really do anything. And I think I had a thought just now, but if you could just, you know, you can go ahead, Linky. Oh. Um, I, um, I was going to say, I've got two things to say. The one is that shame leads you to believe that you're not worthy, mm-hmm. that you're not lovable. Mm-hmm. that you're not enough, mm. um, that you're not good enough. And I think all of those start to eat away at who you really are. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's really difficult. But I have a, someone who's very close to me, yeah. who whenever I talk about shame yeah. says, you know, you should just go on CNN and just tell everyone what you did. <laughs> and I love that visual because... Yeah, yeah. Because what's the worst that can happen? What, what, what's going to happen? Like, that's what, you know, I'm sitting here in my world and I'm yeah. so worried. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time, again, you know, you talked about this, but a lot of the time that can stem from what will people say? What will people think of me? Yeah. And really what people think of you is, is not important in comparison to what you think of you. Yeah, and because- so um, the idea that, that I would do that and yeah. then finally be free of the shame, because then I would have said it, right? I would yeah. have said whatever it is that's eating me up. Mm-hmm. Because um, in um, in a lot of therapy, you'll hear that they say, "Well, if you tell someone, mm-hmm. then you're you know you start to feel free about it, or you start to feel the freedom mm-hmm. from holding on to it for so long." And so I can relate to that. That the first time I was able to say someone to someone, "Hey." I suffer from a mood disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were like, oh, 
okay, so what's that like? And so mm -hmm. we started to talk about it. And I was so afraid that this person was going to preach at me or mm -hmm. was going to tell me, say something that was, you know, going to be counterproductive, but they didn't. And so I, I started to feel better about that. But there are other things that I felt shame about. And mm -hmm. I feel like even though I've said them to one person, I'm like, oh, but you love me. Mm -hmm. There's no way you're going to say anything bad about that. So when you do it on a live platform, mm -hmm. then there's nothing to lose. Like then, pretty much, because it's like who's good. Like it's it's not like because I think what I love so much about that image, as much as I'm like that would be absolutely horrifying. What's like what the worst case scenario in my mind is that everyone from is going to go. <gasps> not even, <gasps> but like, this is going to be a line down the block of like people coming to my door, knocking and then just laughing at me. Right. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever watched the Simpsons, but there's this, this is, this is really annoying little boy who always picks on Bart. He's just like, ha, 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 ha. like that's, that's what I'm imagining. But then at the same time, it's like, I just don't have to open the door. <laughs> the other thing that could happen which is what happened in um, the movie, What to Expect, Yeah, uh, is that we could tell this, this thing and people would be like, me too, you know, like- <laughs> Girl, same, so, like, I was there as well. <laughs> you know, yeah. and thanks for saying it because I've been holding on to it and, um, you know, and mm. I think, I think, I think I'm not trying to make light yeah, of the topic at all. Mm -hmm. But for myself, when I when I when I think what's the worst that can happen, yeah. and I think about that consequence and mm -hmm. I think about the reaction, and I realize someone will say, Oh, okay, you did a crummy thing. Yeah. That's it. Like for me, that's often the worst that can happen. There isn't there isn't more in my situation. I know that for others, there are other consequences. Um, and I'm sure if I think about it, there are definitely consequences that come with that. But mm -hmm. when we start to look at that, we start to free ourselves from it. Absolutely. And I, I think I would like to sort of wrap everything coming back to what you said earlier about self-esteem and how holding on to things that have made us feel ashamed affects our self-esteem. I, I would, would like to leave our audience with this idea that I read this years and years ago from, um, not years and years ago, but quite a while back from one of my friends. And she had sent me a post that said that, you know, self-esteem is not one thing. It's a multitude of things. And it is not simply just how you feel about yourself, but how you talk to yourself, how you interact with yourself, how you show up in the world right? Mm -hmm. And it continuously expands and expands and expands. It's not just a stagnant thing. So I think once you can think about self-esteem like that, you can think about your relationship with shame in the same sense that once you, you know, almost move away from your shame, you move, you almost expand your self-esteem. Like being able to face mm -hmm. yourself and be like, yeah, no, I did that really one rubbishy thing a couple of years back. So sorry about it but you know i'm in the present now and in a big way that really does free I, you i mentioned this before and you know i'm just remembering now that i was listening to a podcast this is the last thing i'll say um i was listening to a podcast and you can go check it out i will put the link in our description 
um, by an organization called Purposeful Living. Mm -hmm. And it's a women's organization. And she was talking about self-forgiveness. And she talked about five steps, which come from the book, Radical Self-Forgiveness by Colin Tipping. Mm -hmm. And when I think about shame and, and especially when it's related to, to something that's happened to you or to something that you've done, I think those five steps really play a big role in, in getting, in getting through the shame because we can't just jump over it. We can't just push it to the side. We actually have to deal with it. Yeah. And those five steps very quickly, I'm not going to go into them, but go definitely check out that podcast or find the book. Um, the first thing you do is tell the story. So mm-hmm. what happened? Yeah. Um, the second thing you do is feel the feelings. Mm-hmm. So all of the feelings, anger, frustration, um, pain, embarrassment, all of the feelings. Uh, and then the third thing you do is collapse the story. Mm-hmm. So start to um, disassemble it from what, what you think it is to what it truly happened. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth thing is to reframe the story. So to look at it like, well, I have learned from this experience. This is what I've learned about myself or about other people or about the situation. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is to integrate the shift. So yeah. once you've shifted from this space of I did something wrong or I am wrong to I, I'm starting to see that I can learn from this situation, from, from whatever's happened. And you start to integrate the um, self-compassion, mm-hmm. the kindness, the um, self-love that you have. You're then able to better move forward. It's a process. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah, It's a process that takes time. And when we commit to it, we really do start to see the fruits. Yeah. And I think I'm, 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 in a, I'm in a space right now, and I talked about this about 2021, that I do not want to walk with unforgiveness. I do not want to walk with baggage that is just weighing me down and limiting me from being my best self. And so, um, again, check out the book. And, and, and really, we need to stop sitting in situations where we label ourselves and we sit with so much shame and that it starts to define us and limit us from showing up in life. Exactly. And as Linky has wrapped it up so beautifully, everyone, stay tuned for our next episode. We could definitely um, tackle this head on by ourselves again in like a second episode or almost if we could rev up the intensity. I don't know if that's possible, <laughs> but... <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. And remember to like, subscribe, leave us a review. And also you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Sunflower Living Pod. Thanks so much. And we'll see you in the next one. And a note, we are not mental health professionals. All opinions expressed on this podcast are our own. Our views and the views of any guests on our show cannot be construed as advice or should be used as medical recommendation. If you need help, please consult a licensed medical professional.